Hashtag faithful. I want to jump right into this. This is the fourth part of this series. And um, just wanted to share something that God is faithful to save. Somebody say amen. How many are glad that you're saved? I mean, really glad. Come on. How many remember not being saved? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I think about people all the time that walk away from church, walk away from the Lord. And I think, man, there ain't nothing worth it. Come on, Jesse Duplan says, what in hell do you want, right? Come on, there's nothing worth it. If you think about going backwards, it's not worth it. There's nothing there. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says this. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Somebody shout mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you would just be with us over the next few minutes. God, that you would help me to articulate the word that you have. And God, I thank you that minds would be um, touched, hearts would be changed, Lord. Spirits would be delivered today. God, that we would get a picture of who you are and how faithful you are. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. He will save. And that word save is a Greek word, sozo. S-O-Z-O, if you're taking notes, sozo. And sozo has some meanings that I'm going to jump into in just a minute. But it says right here, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. And the first part of that that I want to camp out is, where is the Lord your God? In the midst of thee. He's right here. You know what? In your dark trials, where is he at? He's right here. He's right in the midst of thee. When we get to those points where we feel like, man, God, where are you at? Nothing is working right. I don't understand. I feel like all hell is breaking loose. Guess what? You're not alone because he is right there in the midst of thee. And how many know when someone's there and you know that there's something that everything is okay? When I'm gone and out of, out of town, my family gets a little edgy. They got to they gotta talk to me on FaceTime. They got to see me. They get a little edgy. It's amazing that when I was in Africa, my girls didn't want to talk to me as much as when I'm in Florida. I'm like, hey, I'm halfway around the world. Daddy's on the phone, don't you? They're like, hey, they're playing video games. I'm like, wait a minute. Nobody wants to come talk to daddy. It's been, it's been a day since I've seen you. Like, hi, daddy. But I went to Florida and did a conference for a few days. And, you know, Arena went and got my shirt and slept with my shirt. And she took the picture out of my mother's room of me. And she put it by her bed. And she was all jacked up. And she was just like, daddy, when are you going to come home? I'm like, I'm just down the road. But when I go out of the country, you know, but there's just something about when daddy's home, that stability. They know I can be out at a conference doing something. When I come home and they hear the door, everybody's ready to go. They'll stay up. Every light on in the house. I'm like, who's coming in the garage? Why is the garage light on? Why is, why is the closet light on? Every light on in the house. But then when I get there, everything's safe because they know I'm in the midst. Come on. And let me tell you something. You can be in a situation and feel like all kind of stuff is going on. But if you will be cognizant of the fact that God, the Lord, your God is right there in the midst of you. How many of that will make everything all better? Because he's going to help you to make it even in the midst of the storm. 
Come on, imagine the disciples on the boat where they were in the middle of this storm. But all of a sudden, what did they do? They knew the Lord was in the midst of them, so they went and got him. And he rebuked them kind of, what are you guys all upset about? I'm right here. Basically, he was saying, if I'm here, you don't have to worry about this boat going down. Come on, I tell people that on the plane all the time. I get on a plane and... And I always touch the plane when I get in. And I say, thank you, Lord, for this plane being mechanical. We stop. Every time we get on, we stop right there. We put our hand on the side of the plane. We don't care who's behind us. And we just say, Lord, I thank you that this plane is mechanically sound. And I thank you that all systems function the way they're supposed to. And I get on the plane and sit down and we grab hands, all of us, and we pray out loud. And we believe God. We pray for the pilot, the co-pilot, the navigator. With the steward, everybody. We pray for everybody. And we just pray that God's will is done. So you know what? In the midst of that, if we hit some turbulence and everybody's freaking out, I say, you know, it don't matter. This plane's not going down. As long as I'm on it, this plane's not going down. If I'm not on it, I can't vouch for that. But if I'm on it, it's not going down. You say, well, that's cocky. No, that's confident because I know the Lord thy God is in the midst of me. And I know that I haven't done everything he's called me to do. Somebody say amen to that. If God's called me to do some things and I haven't done that yet, then I'm not going anywhere. Come on, the doctor can give you diagnosis. Say, that's not going to do nothing because the Lord's not done with me yet. Because I believe his word and he is faithful to complete his word. If he started in you, he's faithful. And so I I told one person, I said, the plane might crash and go down there and be nothing left but the black box in my seat. Seat number 13B. (laughs) So the only thing that made it right there, the black box in me. Why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box material? Have you ever thought about that? Come on, if that's the only thing that made it, how come the whole plane isn't made out of the black box? I know that's just one of those things that make you say, hmm. But you got to know that the Lord is right there. He's right in the midst of you. So that should make you know that God's faithful, that he's going to be there. He's going to be with you. And then it says, he will save. There's no question that God will save you. There's no question he has the ability to save you. He has the authority to save you, and he has the desire to save you. Somebody should say amen to that. It's his will. It's his ability. It's his desire to save you. And uh, it says he will rejoice over you with singing. And the word rejoice means to joy again. Whenever you see re, it means to do that again. It means to joy again. Joy over you with singing and rejoice And I started thinking, what does that mean? How does the Lord rejoice? How does he joy over us again? And I I know I'm a lot of baby uh, illustrations here lately. But right now, Angelise is like the, you know, she's the talk of the house right now. She's the new thing. She's getting all the attention because she needs us. We have to do everything for her. Mommy has to feed her. Mommy has to be there. We have to be there. You know, we're taking care of her. So how many know the the other sisters? They can get a little perturbed during time like this because they might get a little slighted. We're not doing it on purpose, but they're, they're getting a little slighted. And so they're getting a little extra needy. And so, but I love Facebook memories because this is what Facebook memories has been doing for me the last couple of days. How many know what I'm talking about? On Facebook, they have the memories. It's like on this day, this is what happened. And so I go back and it's like seven years ago, eight years ago on this day, look what was happening. And there's a picture of one of the girls when they were babies. And 
so you know what we do when we see that? Oh, we're like, oh, look, look, there's, oh, look at her cheeks. And, and, and it's been so neat how God does this. We've been laying in the bed, and then the girls come right there. And whichever girl is needing that extra love, it seems like their memory comes up. And it's like, look, oh, look, there's Addie with a little chubby. And we start joying over them again. Come on, you get what I'm saying? What we're saying is right now, all of a sudden, we're joying over them where the joy right now has been on the newborn. But all of a sudden, we see those pictures and it causes us to joy again over that child. And you know how that makes them feel? They're like, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I had the chubby cheeks. I was the baby. And all of a sudden, they feel good again and they just want to love on mommy and daddy. And you know what? God just gave me a picture of that when I was studying. He says, every time I get to say, you. Come on, somebody. Every time I get the opportunity, every time you let me save you. Now, I know some of you are looking at me a little weird because I'm using the word save and your mind instantly goes where? To salvation, right? To giving my heart to Jesus. How many, when you hear save, that's the first thing you think of. Say, I'm saved. That's the first. But sozo means this. It means, in the Greek, that word sozo means save or saved. It means whole. It means healed. It means preserved. It means to be well. And it appears three different ways in the Bible. It means to save some, from certain death. There are times when it says you mean to save your life, sozo. And then it means to be healed. It means salvation or getting born again. It means whole. Jesus came to save us, to make us whole in every way. Come on, somebody. He came to save us from sin, sickness, and poverty. Can I get an amen? Those are the things. And people think, well, I don't know about all that. You know, if it was right, then it would reflect heaven. Whatever is right on earth, heaven should look like that. Amen? So I'm, I'm going to treat you a little bit today. Whatever is right on earth, whatever should be allowed, whatever we should permit in our life should look like heaven. It should be a reflection of heaven. So in heaven, is there sickness? No. So should we permit sickness in our life? No. So that means that we need to be saved from sickness. Is there death in heaven? No. We need to be saved from that. Is there spiritual death, sin? No. We need to be saved from that. Is there poverty in heaven? No. Come on. They paved the streets with gold. So that means that we need to be saved from those things. So every time we allow God to save us, then he joys over us again. Come on, you getting that? He rejoices. It's a Facebook memory to God every time we allow him to save us out of our situation. So when you get sick and you say, God, I believe you for healing and I receive it right now because I know it's mine. And you allow him to save you from your sickness. He rejoices over you again. Man, I'm just, there's my baby. Look, there's my baby. I'm joying over my baby. Whenever you're in poverty and you're believing God, how are we going to get out of this? And you take it by faith and allow him to save you from that. He joys over you again. He is faithful to save you past, present, and future. Can I get an amen? Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. Thank you, Wilma. I'm glad, I'm glad one person's awake this morning. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to just give you a couple things here where God is faithful. I looked through the Bible, and there's so many verses, but I pulled out these two. God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10.13 God is faithful and just. Right here. uh, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. Somebody say amen. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Somebody said, well, he must think I'm a lot more able than I do. (laughs) But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful to not let you be tempted beyond your ability. That doesn't say that you're not going to have temptations. That doesn't say that you're not going to have trials. That doesn't say you're not going to be tempted to. What are you tempted to do? We're tempted to not let God save us. Come on. We're tempted to fall into sin. We're tempted to allow sickness and disease to overtake us. We're tempted in these areas to doubt God. That's where the temptation comes. We see that from the beginning, the the first people were tempted to doubt God. So we're tempted to doubt that God is faithful and doubt his faithfulness. But the word says that he is faithful to not allow you to be tempted more than you can, than you're able to handle it. And what does that mean? Sometimes I told you before, I think that when you if you know you're hungry, don't go shopping hungry. Come on, somebody. Don't do it. It ain't worth it. I tell you what, outside of church, I see Lynn and Rebecca at Kroger more than anywhere else. It seems like every time I go to K. Roger, there is Rebecca right there, or Rebecca and Lynn. And we're like, hey, hey. And they always have a lot healthier stuff in their cart than I do. I'm like, I've never caught them. I've never caught them going down the ice cream aisle. They must see me coming and wait till I leave and then do that. But I, they always look at my cart, and I'm like, yeah, you got me. <laughs> You got me red-handed. And for a minute, Lynn will be like, mm, that looks good. And Rebecca will be like, no, no, no. <laughs> but I tell you what, don't if you know you got a temptation, don't go down that aisle. Come on, somebody. They are coming out with, it's the devil, Reggie. They're coming out with the ready whip. It's coming out with Reese's peanut butter cup ready whip. <laughs> And Hershey's Nestle chocolate. I mean, that's the devil right there. I mean, you guys will have to have an intervention. Man, I'll be hiding them under my... Just, just aerosol all over the place. And, man, I'm like, what the world is going on? I'll just be putting it on everything, you know? I think this bread needs whipped cream. on. Dear God, Reese's peanut butter cup whipped cream. That's the devil. So I know, don't even go down the aisle. I, go, I went the other day. We needed milk. I'm like, I'm not even going to get milk here because I know the Ready Whip is right there by the milk. And if I see that stuff, I know I'm getting three cans. I know I'm going to do it. But it says he's not going to allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. Well, what does that mean? God, why am I? How many have ever thought, Lord, why let me be tempted at all? You're God. Don't even let me be tempted. Because here's the thing. He knows that the temptation comes. And if we love him so much and we trust him, then we know we're not going to fall to that. There is a day coming where we're not going to fall to that temptation. Somebody say amen to that. 
And the closer we get to him, the more we fall in love with him. There's a day coming where we're not going to fall to that. You ain't going to be able to get me with that. You ain't going to be able to get me with that because I'm in love here. Come on, guys. There's, you know, these women running around here. They can't get you there anymore because you're in love with your wife. And so, you know what? That don't even appeal to me because I'm so in love right here that nothing you can offer me is appealing. I should have got a better amen from the men right there. Amen. <laughs> oh, 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 come on. <laughs> There's nothing that's appealing. Yeah, I might be tempted for a minute, but at the end, I know that what I have is so much more real than that. Amen. And vice versa, ladies. <laughs> we, we prepped the ladies a little bit for that. But God is saying that, you know what, there's a day coming that that temptation is not even going to have a place. And I thank God. And now we see it. The closer you get, the stronger in God you get. The old temptations don't work. Then the enemy starts doing other things. How many know what I'm talking about? He says, oh, I can't get to you, so now I'm going to attack somebody in your family. I can't get to you, now I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. But what you should do is you should be shouting for a minute that hey praise God remember I said look for the good all of a sudden you're like praise God what something else is going horribly wrong in my life I'm like what's wrong with you but thank God I don't have to deal with that anymore come on somebody I thank God that I'm past that that is over come on somebody I've got the victory over that Something else might be coming down the pike, but I've got the victory over that, and God knows that he can trust me because I know I can trust him. He's faithful, and he's looking at me, and he's rejoicing all over again. I think, oh, man, look at my baby. Look at him. Look at him. He's so good. She's so good. He joys over you again with singing. And he begins to sing a song over you. He begins to bless you. He begins to sing over you. God is faithful to not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And the thing is, it's not your ability. And if we get that into our head, that we're not looking at our own strength, but it's re- relying on the strength of the Lord, then we'll be able to handle that temptation. Amen? And he's also faithful to provide a way of escape. A way of escape that you may endure it. We always think of a way of escape as that door right there. That whenever temptation comes, God promised that he's going to let me get out of here. But no, he says a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We don't like to hear that. But how many are in the middle of something and you're like, I just haven't got free from this. I haven't got clearance. I've prayed, I've cried, and it's still there. Well, guess what? Maybe the way of escape is the fact that God's going to give you the strength. God's going to be faithful to cause you to endure that. We don't like to hear that. That wasn't shout worthy. But you know what? Sometimes we can. Have you ever made it through something and you look back and you say, I don't know how I got through that. People ask you, have you ever started telling a testimony? You didn't realize it's a testimony. You're sharing something with somebody, and all of a sudden, before you know it, (laughs) tears are streaming. You're supposed to be blessing them, and all of a sudden, you're getting caught up. Tears are streaming down your face, and, and you almost can't talk because you're like, I don't know how I made it through. I don't know how I... When you start telling something, you just think... I've told stories before, and right in the middle of it, I'm thinking... That sounds ridiculous. 
And it happened to me. And I'm thinking, how in the world did I get through that? It was the grace of God. It was God's faithfulness. And God is so faithful that he will sometimes cause you. The way of escape will be in endurance. Somebody say, amen, you're faithful. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful and just. And I want to give a little illustration that I heard a couple weeks ago. And it was last week, I think. And it just blessed my socks off. And it was so appropriate for this message. We see right here two different sides of God in uh, 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, then he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we think of faithful, we think of good stuff, don't we? We think, man, God's faithful. Amen. He's going to do this. He's going to make way. He's going to be there for me. But we don't like to think of the just God. We think of just. How many have experienced the justice of God? And you've experienced, well, you know what? You made your bed now. Now lay in it. You, you done this. Now you're going to have to face the consequences. And we don't like that. God, get me out of this. God, you, you promised that you were going to fix this. He says, yeah, but you messed up. And you had this coming. So the wages of sin is death. So you're going to die a little bit. But he's faithful. There are two postures of God throughout the word. You see two postures of God. How many know God doesn't lay down? How do we know that? The word says that he never sleeps nor slumbers. So we know one posture of God is not laying down. He's not. Somebody say God's not laying down on the job. Thank God for that. But the two postures that we see through scripture are God in a seated position and God standing, right? We see God seated, and we see God standing. And when we see God seated, it's in the position of justice and judgment. And throughout the scripture, when we see that, we see that judgment. We see when a judge, your honorable judge so-and-so, comes into the room, what do we do? All rise. Everybody stands up to honor the judge. You don't know him. You don't know nothing about him, but you stand up as honoring that position. And then when he's seated, then you can sit down. And then anything he says in that seated position carries weight, right? And they even call him a seated judge, right? They say this right now, he is a seated judge in the high court of appeals, whatever. So whatever he says in that seated position, how many know it's got effect everybody that's in that courtroom, especially the person that's behind the, the first desk right there. Yeah, uh-oh, must be in the front row. Come on, you don't want to, that's one place you don't want to be in the front row because everything he says is going to affect you right there. And the judgment of God comes. We see that. We see through scripture where there's a time for judgment. We see 10 times in the word that God is seated. He's seated and he's meeting out judgment 10 times right there. Uh, Psalm 47, 8 says, God reigneth over the heathen and God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. So when he's reigning judgment, he's seated on his throne. And we see throughout that God would sit on his throne. And we've heard the earth is the Lord's and he will make the enemy his 
footstool. And we know that kings and monarchs would sit on a throne and they would have a footstool. And under the, in that footstool would be the rules, would be the laws of that city. And anything that pertained to that city would be in that footstool. And they would keep it there. And the monarch would put his foot on there saying that everything is under my authority and under my power. Somebody could get blessed right there because he's told you that you're going to tread upon scorpions. Come on. That the enemy belongs where? One place. under. Come on. Somebody just stomped three times. One, two, three. The enemy is under my feet. Under my feet. Under my feet. All right, I'm not going to go there. But that's where he belongs. And so when God is seated, he's pronouncing judgment. And he's seated right there. And many of you, that has been your picture of God. That God is seated and he's giving out judgment. And it seems like every time you go to him, I'm being judged. Every time I feel like I came up short. Every time I come into his presence, I don't feel worthy because I've messed up. Because how many felt that way before? Don't raise your hand. But you, you feel like I come in and I know I messed up. So I know God's getting ready to judge me. God's got something that he's going to rain down on me. And it seems like your life is going that way. Come on. I've been in a situation like that. At times I feel like that. It's like three days out of the week, I feel like God's seated. <laughs> you know, I'm like, God, what's going on? Why is everything coming against me? Why are you judging? Why is this happening? And it feels like the judgment of God. Ten times we see God seated. Twenty times we see God standing. So God is standing twice as much as he's seated. And when he's standing, it's a picture of mercy. It's a picture of faithfulness. Come on, somebody, say amen to that. Psalm 68.1 says, Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. When God stands up, when he's standing, then something good is getting ready to happen. When God stands up, something's getting ready to happen. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal. And remember, the prodigal left, did his own thing, spent his money on riotous living. And then when he came home, where was the father? Standing out on the porch, waiting for him. And he was standing. This hit me while I was studying, and I almost ran all over my dining room. He was standing so he could run. Come on, somebody. It's hard to run from a seated position, but he was standing so he could run. And God is ready to run towards some of you, and he's ready to throw his arms around you. He's ready to bring you close to him. He's ready to run to your defense. He's ready to run and save you. He's the mighty one that's up and ready to run to your defense. He's standing. And when God stands up, everything changes. And we see a, a, a character shift right there. From the judgment of God to the mercy of God. And many of you have had that in a parent. You've had that dualism in a parent. Now you guys get to see my mother being all nice and sweet. You get to see the sweet version of Pam. She ain't always been the sweet version of Pam. 
My mother could be very stern at times and take care of business. And she was the disciplinarian around my house. My dad stood about almost six feet tall and over 300 pounds. He's a big boy, big gruff beard, but he was a teddy bear. He didn't want to do nothing. He, you'd get away with anything with him. But my mom, little, little short nothing, she was the one that met, meted out the discipline in the family. And you did not want, I would rather get disciplined from my dad than my mother, even though it hurt like the dickens. My dad only spanked me three times in my life, and I remember every one of them. Matter of fact, I tell the story, and I get a little tender, I tell you what. But my mother, I mean, she probably spanked me a thousand times. I don't know. And she, it was so dramatic with her. I know you're watching. <laughs> it was so dramatic. She was... Swinging and talking the whole time. I'm like, why you got to talk? Can't you just get it over? How many times do I have to tell you? You know, every swing had a word. I'm like, how do you do that, man? That takes talent right there to get the swing. Were you doing that too? Well, get the swing and the word down together. It's a cadence. Come on. It's like, how many times do I have to tell you not to? <laughs> and then you try to run, and then so they then they grab you by the hand. <laughs> How many did the the spanking dance? You know, and you you turn around and you're doing the square dancing, <laughs> swing your partner around and around, and they're doing all this, and it was like, oh Lord, hurry up and get this over with. And then I remember as I got older, I'm like, here I am, here she is, I'm gonna spank her. I'm like, okay, seriously, you know, but. She still wanted to do it, and I'm just like, do we have to do we have to do this? <laughs> One time I was 17 years old and I've been out all night, and then she came in and she's like, she's gonna spank me. I'm like, what are you doing? What and she was just so mad because I won't go into why, but she was upset. So she's gonna get the belt and try to spank me. I'm like, this ain't happening, right? <laughs> But I tell you what, it's like we're doing that. And then she would be that disciplinarian. But now I'm seeing this side of my mother with my girls. And I'm like, who is this woman? Who is this woman? What do you mean? Anything they want. Yeah, Nana goes and gets. I'm like, who is this woman? What have you done with my mother? I mean, those girls got her wrapped around their finger. They can say anything, and she's up in the car going to get them stuff. I'm like, Addie can be like, Nana, I want hotcakes and sausage from McDonald's. Next thing you know, she's getting in the car. I'm like, who is this woman? And she's so sweet and lovable. I'm like, I'm waiting for a, a Mission Impossible. You know, I'm like, who is this? But what we're seeing is we see a character shift. Come on, somebody's about to get blessed right here. The same woman that could take care of business and put the judgment on you all of a sudden becomes that woman that says, I'm so loving. And when I would be sick, my mother would come and she would take such good care of me. She'd make chicken soup and she would sit by and she'd wipe my face with a cold compress and she'd make jello and she'd be so sweet and loving. And I'm like, oh, I want my mama. I remember I was, oh, I was grown and I was in college and I got sick one day and I was like, I want my mama. <laughs> and you saw the same woman that was mean and stern and, and could do all this. All of a sudden, her character shifted when her child was in trouble. Whew. Somebody's about to get blessed right now. 
And we see the same thing happen with our Heavenly Father. We see the judgment of God. He is faithful and just. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know what? Sometimes there's a justice that has to come from God. And many times we're working out that justice and we're like, and I don't like this. I don't like that I'm going through this. I don't like that this had to happen. And God's like, how many times do I have to tell you? There's the justice of God. But at the same time, when we're in that place of being sick and sin, sick and sickness, sick and poverty, sick and depression, sick and lack, sick and anxiety, sick, whatever that case is, there's a character shift and God stands up and the mercy and faithfulness of God comes and scoops you up and begins to take care of you. My God, he's so faithful. And I'm telling you that whenever God stands up, something good is getting ready to happen. And I hear the Lord saying that he is standing up in your situation. He's standing, waiting for you. And the same parent that is stern and, and mean and meeting out judgment can shift to the ooey-gooey love, depending on the plight of the child. And many of you are in a place right now where you're saying, but I need, I need my parent. I need the faithfulness. I need the mercy of God. It's rough. I don't know if I can handle it, but I got good news for you. The Lord your God is in the midst of thee, and he's mighty to save. He'll rejoice over you with joy. The Bible says he will rest in his love. What that saying is sometimes he'll be silent in his love. Don't even have to say anything. We're saying, God, speak to me. God, where are you at? God, why aren't you saying anything? He's just like, just be still and know that I'm God. Know that I love you. We've been in situations before. Where like, you haven't told me you love me lately. That's like, you know I love you. I'm right here. I'm meeting your needs. I'm doing everything you need me to do. 